Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ignited Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lawrence. I believe people and culture are the single greatest competitive advantage in any business. This podcast is a weekly dose of inspiration and practical how-to strategies for transforming the way we learn, grow, and perform at work. So get ready. You're about to learn from the best learning leadership experts on the planet. Let's get after it. On this episode of Ignited Learning, we have Shilpa Subramaniam. Shilpa is the co-founder of The Learning Gym, and together with her business partner, they set out to upskill learning professionals. It's that simple. You see, learning professionals are often busy focusing on the needs of their learners, and their challenge is finding the time and the right tools for their own learning. And this is the primary reason why The Learning Gym was set up. So in this episode... Shilpa will share her views of the changing learning landscape and how trainers must adapt in the age of COVID-19. Specifically, Shilpa is going to share with us her experience and her wisdom around the following, determining the right blend of in-person and virtual training, how to transition your classroom training into virtual, and most importantly, she's going to talk about the critical mindsets and skills needed to thrive in this age of COVID-19. So Shilpa is a true learning professional, and she has the magic touch of always keeping the learner front and center and keeping learning engaging. So we invite you to lean in and enjoy as Shilpa shares her thoughtful insights on learning design and learning delivery in these rapidly changing times. Shilpa, thank you so much for joining the Ignited Learning Podcast. I'm really happy you're here. Thanks, Steve. Super excited to be here. And yeah, just looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about is having a conversation. Now, I know you are an absolute expert in helping learning professionals be at their best to help them elevate their performance to make an impact in learning organizations and, and just to deliver that high impact learning experience. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, absolutely. Um, so in terms of background, my background is in psychology and, and HR. And I think originally I wanted to do something that was a combination of both of those elements. Somehow human behavior always interested me. Um, and then growing up all over India, we moved every two years. So, so different kinds of, of not just people in diversity and cultures, but also just different human behavior. And I always wanted to do something in that space. Um, and so after sort of stumbling around in, in HR, totally my fault, being HR at all, <laughs> uh, that was on me. So I'm sort of knocking around doing a couple of things. I, I stumbled into uh, learning and development and it was all by chance. It's been more than a decade now, and I think I think I finally found my niche. So I, what I really enjoyed for the longest time was, of course, just being in the, in the, in the training room, but also um, designing learning interventions that um, really made an impact and, and seemed to help people in some way, um, even if it was to, to do just one little part of what they do better. 
So that's how I came into it and I've been in it ever since. And then the transition sort of then happened from being a learning professional to then working with other learning professionals and figuring out, hey, we need to do something where we all kind of think about how we upskill ourselves. Um, and, and what we kept hearing from a lot of people is that there isn't that much happening in Asia Pacific as much as it was in, in the West and in, in the US and Europe. And, and so a lot of what I do now is around helping get some of those top leaders, but also a lot of those methodologies um, to a much wider sort of audience. Um, and I really enjoy doing that. I love working with learning professionals, whether it's educators, and trainers and teachers and, and all sorts. And, and I love to think that, that I'm in some small way enabling them to go and make a change in their worlds. Mm. That's awesome, Shilpa. So you went from HR to learning and development, designing and delivering programs, but then kind of took a step back to say, how might I upskill and elevate the game of all learning and development professionals. So kind of like a train the trainer or a coach for trainers. Um, and, and that's the space you're in now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell me what is the secret sauce for elevating and upskilling trainers? You, you really um, are selling it really well, Steve. Maybe we need to get you on board. Um, but, but in actuality, um, the secret sauce is that there is no one secret sauce. Um, it's a combination of many, many different secret sauces. Um, because what we discovered is that um, learning professionals, or just they have different needs. Um, everyone's at a different place in terms of, you know, their level of experience or the industry that they're in or the region that they're in. Um, and, and so what we did, and when I say we, I mean my business partner and I uh, at, our, at our company. So we, we put together a bunch of secret sources that you could sort of lift and use based on what you needed. So if you needed more design-centric elements, there's that. If you needed more around be more impactful when you deliver a session, there's that. If you need more around, how do you create engagement? How do you bring that joy back to, the, to, to learning and to your participants and your students? Then there's, there's another secret source for that. So, so the secret source is really to say, you tell us what you need. You tell us what your challenges are. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how best to help. I love that. It's kind of that old saying that says, uh, ask people what they want go out and get it and then go deliver it to them. Yeah, right? pretty much. <laughs> so, so what to in, in the corporate training space today, what is it that trainers want, but more importantly, what is it that they really need? <laughs> that is a, that, that's a wonderful distinction and not one that many people make or think of. So 10 points to you um, in, in, terms of, in terms of what people want and need in the, in the corporate space. I mean, and I'm going to talk about the elephant in, in the room, which is the COVID situation that, that's impacted all of us globally. Um, and so one thing that I think organizations and corporate learning is really looking at is asking themselves the question, is virtual learning here to stay? Or is it a temporary kind of um, deal where we're going to go back to in-person learning? And I think a lot of 
organizations, not just our clients, but a lot of people we're, we're speaking with are echoing the thought that virtual learning is here to stay. Um, and virtual learning, be it VILT or, or be it online and learning, asynchronous learning, gamification, all of that seems to be here to stay. Um, and so I think what the need of the hour is finding ways to be prepared to move to a more in-person approach to some extent, but also being mindful of the fact that a lot of learning is going to happen in this virtual space. So everybody needs to get upskilled on that. Everybody needs to get comfortable with that. Um, and for everyone who says, you know, I'm really fantastic delivering training in person. When I do it virtually, it's just, it's not the same. I get it. I was there. <laughs> no, I felt no, it no. the exact same way. Um, and so through time, um, you'll realize that you can make that and through skills and a bunch of other stuff, you'll realize that you actually can make it interesting and engaging and impactful, um, maybe in some ways more than in-person learning. Mm. So it's kind of like, um, it's a blend, if you will. So there's the traditional instructor-led training and traditional virtual-led training. And now we've moved into instructor-led virtual training. So kind of a blended approach, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. A, a blended approach and a, and a thoughtfully blended approach is what I'd like to add here. Because I think picking one or the other for the sake of it or because you're comfortable with it as the, as the learning professional might not really serve the purpose. So I think it's really about asking, what is my objective with the learning intervention? And therefore, what would be the best approach to get there? Given, of course, constraints that your participants and learners might have. Um, so I think that's the important question to ask is what's the end objective? Where do I want to get to? Gotcha. So in addition to being clear on your outcome, how might you help trainers today make that transition? What, what would you recommend? If, if uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, if you could recommend three things that yeah. trainers either need to keep in mind or do to make that shift to effective instructor-led virtual training, what is that? I think the, the very first shift is a mindset shift. Um, an understanding and, and recognizing that this is a, a necessary step and no longer a, a nice to have or a nice to do. I don't think we can ignore this any longer. Um, so I think that mindset shift for a lot of people has happened, is still happening. So switching your mindset to say, yes, um, in-person training, I was really good at, worked really well. Now I need to transfer some of those skills to the virtual space. I can do it. Um, because some of those skills are similar. There are differences as well, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but some of those skills are still. You're still you. You're still, it's still your trainer personality. It's still you engaging people. Mm. It's just done in a different way. Mm. Um, so I think having that roadblock around um, technology as such is something that, that, that people need to work towards and that we all worked towards, right? We, we all work towards that. I'm sure you had moments as well where you were going, what am I doing online? What is going on? So, <laughs> I've, so, had, so yeah. I've had many. There, there we go. There we go. <laughs> so, so I think okay. the, the mindset piece is definitely the first one for me. Um, and then after that, it then comes down to, to, to the skill part of it. It comes down to, keeping in mind that what works in one setting. So lifting a program exactly as it is 
in, from an in-person training to a virtual training is almost never going to work. It's, it, it's, it just doesn't translate that way. And so being smart about or working with people who know about that and, and, and trying to figure out so if this is what it happened in person, this was our objective, how can we then get that in a virtual space and being smart about that is the second bit. Um, and there are tons of ways to do that. Um, upskill yourself, try out small, small portions. Um, don't do a whole program, pick, pick one module, um, pick one element, and then think of how you're going to convert that, what might you use, and start simple. There's absolutely nothing wrong with simple. Um, mm -hmm. Once you get comfortable with that, then you can move on to larger and larger chunks. Till you're okay. So, so that's right. the, that, that was the second one. And then the, and for me, the third one is, this might sound strange, is also about all of us as facilitators, trainers, instructional designers, teachers, mitigating our own biases um, when it comes to either designing or delivering um, mm. learning interventions. Um, yeah, what, what, I mean, there's, do you, what do you mean? What can you tell us more? What do you mean by that? So what, what I mean by that is I think we've all got preferences. We've all got yeah. that one activity that we like. Uh, we've all got that one way of doing something. We've got that one framework that we think is really brilliant. Mm. And I'm not taking anything away from any of those, but I'm saying challenging ourselves to test it out um, with an open mind to say, does this actually still work? Um, does, this, it, it, does this still hit those learning objectives? in the way that I'm doing it now um, is something that I think is, is really important. And I know something that helped me and something that I know I'm still working on. We've all got tendencies, right? Oh, it's a comfort thing. I like that. That works well. I know it. But maybe something else works better. So, mm. so trying out new things, um, whether it's new apps, whether it's, it's whether it's just a different way of talking about something, um, whether it's a new platform, so any of those could be um, biases that that sort of have wormed their way into our brain. You know, I I love that you're talking about mindset or psychology, the psychology of the trainer. Um, one of a, a belief that I hold very dear to myself is eighty percent of success is your psychology, twenty percent of its skills. So true. So yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. And I think it, it takes a while to get to that realization, doesn't it? Because we rely so much on our own skills. We don't realize how much that mindset plays, <laughs> plays a, a, an important role. <laughs> but speak, speaking about skills, though, you said you're going to um, share with you, share some of the skills you have learned in the virtual world, in especially in the last six to nine months. Uh, could you highlight a few of your uh, aha moments or new skills you've picked up? Sure. Um, one was um, having a producer for learning interventions that we run. Um, whether it's me playing the producer role for someone who's facilitating or having someone play the producer role for when I'm facilitating. I think having that, having someone in there with you, at least when you're starting out, when you're still not sure about where things are going to go and how things are going to pan out. And with technology, something could always go wrong. As it does, as it does. Mm. Uh, which means having that other second person in there um, as a producer who's then working on all of those elements is really helpful. 
And that was one of my biggest learnings and, and something that I still um, advocate for very, very strongly. Whether it's, so it's, it's, it's a technical producer or whether it's a facilitative producer. Because sometimes you will cut off and sometimes you will get kicked out and and it helps to have a second person then jump in so that your learners aren't impacted. Mm. So, yeah. Absolutely. So that's definitely one. And then um, apart from that, some of the other things are, is um, for me, activity-based learning interventions. And I know Steve, you're a huge fan of these as well. Um, Trump sort of a presentation style or a, or a webinar style. And don't get me wrong, webinars are great. They serve a certain purpose. People come there to consume information and they're great for that. But if, if it's a learning intervention, if you're meant to have interaction, then you speaking for 60 out of 90 minutes probably doesn't have the same impact. Because in the virtual space, you're competing for attention a lot more than you did when you had a captive audience in the training room. You got to put in 200% more effort. Exactly, right? And, and so to do that, it, the only way, or, or at least the best way to do that is to create pockets of engagement. Mm. Um, so it doesn't have to be one large activity that you're running where they're just off and they're doing their own thing. It can be small pockets, small targeted activities, small pockets of, of engagement that you're doing, whether it's a, a reflection exercise, whether it's a quick activity, whether it's it's people just, um, you know, just discussing things with each other. Creating these little pockets helps ensure that, that people are still with you. They're there. They know that something interesting is going to come up. Um, and yeah, and honestly, I, to me, in my own head, and this is going to sound extremely ironic, given that I'm doing a podcast where I'm speaking so much, but <laughs> hearing my own voice for, for far too long is just, it's boring. Well, why yeah. would anybody want to do that? Well, you know, I, I can attest to the power of experience versus explanation. Uh, you know, we always want to aim for more experience and yeah. less explanation. And some of the programs that I have attended um, with your company, the learning gym, you guys are so artful at that where the, 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 the breakout rooms, the group discussions, the group activities are so engaging and also so social because we're craving for social connection where, you know, it may be a three hour program, maybe a six hour program, but the time goes by in an instant, in a heartbeat because we're fully engaged and, I think you guys create that right balance of experience versus explanation. Thank you, Steve. Very, very kind of you. <laughs> I'll take that uh, testimonial. It's um, true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, and I think it, it comes down to, you're right. It is that balance between both of them. It, it doesn't mean that you don't add value as the, as the sort of expert in the room, but it doesn't have to be all about your expertise because everybody in the room brings their own expertise and tapping into that, and like you said, the whole social element, getting people to work with each other and tap into each other's experiences is so valuable, which mm. is why everyone loves, in some way, which is why virtual sessions are now sort of taking over in a way, because you can get experience from all over the globe in one room in that sense, um, and have people share that with each other. So, so I think that's really fantastic. And, and you know, um just what you're saying about virtual is I think a lot of people think online training is 
predominantly more like a webinar. It tends to be one way. But I think you guys have busted that paradigm where it truly is two-way and truly engaging. And so just that distinction of are you doing a webinar or are you actually doing a, a live virtual workshop where it's highly engaging? And there are tremendous ways to create that engagement. And I know one such way, I'm, I'm going to set you up here, is I know you guys are experts in accelerated learning. And that's yep. one, of, one of the big tools you have in your tool bag. For our audience, could you explain what is accelerated learning and how is it applied in the virtual world? Sure, absolutely. That was, that was a great setup. Um, so <laughs> accelerated learning or, or AL, as we, as we refer to it, is a, a methodology that is predominantly focused on designing and delivering learner-centric interventions. So when I say learner-centric, one of the key principles or thoughts in accelerated learning is that the focus of the entire learning intervention should be from the learner's perspective, not from the trainer's or facilitator's perspective, which is how most of us think when, when it comes to designing or delivering a program to say, what am I going to say? How, how am I going to do this? But here it's, going, here it's looking at how are they going to receive it? Um, what might be their thoughts here, the learner's thoughts? And, and then everything sort of falls into that. So that the spotlight is on the learner, which, which is very counterintuitive sometimes if you look at traditional training where it's the trainer who's in the center of the room, focus of the attention, information is flowing from the trainer mm. to everyone else. Um, and, and here it's, it's the opposite. It's to say that if you, and here's, here's the thing, the hardest and the most amount of work in, in designing such a program, which is learner-centric, happens before the actual learning event or program. Um, because in the session, when you're doing it, um, if it's a well-designed session, it means that your learners are engaged in doing things for themselves without having to keep coming back to the, the facilitator. So all of this is, by the way, from the Center for Accelerated Learning. Mm. And uh, yeah, we've been very fortunate to have been trained by them many years ago and, and truly believe in this methodology because it works. <laughs> I remember um, somebody once told me that accelerated learning is learning at twice the speed, having double the retention and having extraordinary fun. And oh, absolutely. Yep. Man, if, I will if, if AL's absolutely. like that, sign me up. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? And the best thing is it, it also translates really well into the virtual space, mm. um, which, How so? which is so important. Um, because interactions, whether they're in-person or virtual, they need to be designed differently. But if you still go in with the mindset to say, this is, I'm not going to treat this like a webinar. I'm not going to read off 20 slides. I'm going to create pockets of engagement. I'm going to make sure that the focus is on the learners. Then it translates really well into the virtual space. That's really what it is. I mean, the other tenet of, of accelerated learning is learning is creation and not consumption. Mm. Um, which if you think about it, and I'm not knocking webinars. Webinars are great. Uh, they serve a certain purpose, though, and I think that's what we need to remember. Um, that isn't that the purpose we want. I love that. Learning is creation, not consumption. Mm -hmm. 
Ooh, that's gold. I hit that one out of the park. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah. Shilpa, um, what, are you, what are you working on right now? What's lighting you up in the learning and development space? Wow, so many things. But, but I think some of the things that were perhaps most excited about, so, so, so when COVID happened, when we were, everybody moved into the virtual space, we sort of started with um, offering small bite-sized um, interventions or TTTs around making that transition from being a in-person trainer to a, to a virtual trainer. How do you move to that? How do you design for that? Um, and so we've been doing that for a while now. And over the last couple of months, we've realized that people who, who did that sort of came back and said, give us, give us the next step. Give us the more advanced version. What more do we need to do? So we actually put together um, the AL certificate, which used to be a three-day in-person program got converted into a seven module virtual program spread over a month. Um, and that's been, that's been going really well because at the end of the day, what, what everyone's realizing is um, there's a sense of community. And I have to say that first, because mm -hmm. everyone who's, who's been in those programs and batches um, outside of the sessions have found ways to be there for each other, help each other, um, and so I love that we've created that sort of space. I won't take all the credit for it. They're all fabulous people and they've taken the initiative to do this. But isn't it fantastic when as a trainer, you see your participants taking off and doing something on their own and getting together to collaborate and, and sort of help each other out and, and build each other up. Um, and so that's one of the things that I, I'm, I'm super, super excited Wow, that's great. And because when you're collaborating, <laughs> you're, you're, you're pushing your thinking and you're generating new thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're kind of 10xing what's possible when you collaborate. And, and so, so where are you going next? What is next for, for you and for the learning gym? I think the, the next step for the learning gym is on drilling down on, like I said, the more advanced levels of, of some of these elements that we do, whether it's from a delivery perspective. So we're doing a lot now where we're working with clients who say, you know, we're doing things virtually. It's not as impactful. Can you come observe and sort of talk to us about what might be the gaps? Um, and oftentimes the gap is not just technology. Right? Technology is a very small part of it. So our focus is less on teaching people how to use a specific platform. Mm. Our focus is more on You'll get there on the platform bit, but what else? How else do you come across as impactful? What are the things you need to be mindful of there? So doing a lot more in that space. Um, I think we're going to also look at, we are, and we're going to sort of do more in the blended space because that's what we're hearing a lot of. That's what people are coming back. Some parts of the world have moved on to, to in-person, at least in some way again. Hmm. Um, and so we've had we've had someone from Hong Kong, in fact, I think who works for a university who came to us with a very interesting kind of situation to say that she runs sessions where she's got some people who've joined virtually and some people in the room. Mm. She said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> how do I how do I engage both of them? I feel like I'm ignoring one when I'm speaking to the other. It's like picking your favorite child. Um, that that is a great point. And and what would you recommend on that? 
Would so all, all virtual, all in person, or or does mixed work? What what's your view on that? I think mixed works if we're smart and honest about it. When I say smart, I mean smart because you can design interventions, some which involve both, some which involve just one, and some that just involve the other. And the, the ones that involve each of them separately can happen simultaneously. You just need to be smart about that in your design and plan for it. Um, and so that's a smart bit. And the honest bit also comes in because I think it's about sort of putting it out there right at the start to say, this is a different situation. This is a new situation. We're all still exploring, experimenting with how things are going to work out. No one's completely figured it out yet. If they have, please reach out. Um, but I know we have it. So, so I think it's also about playing it out to say this is a safe space for all of us to see how some of these things work out mm. and if they don't feed it back to us and we will learn from that for the next time mm. um, so give, giving those, yourself permission to things. giving yourself permission to try right yeah and giving your learners permission to try um, mm. you know they might try something and they might really like or not like something that happened to you if you create that safe space uh, this this is great stuff, and uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna come to the close of the podcast here. But I want to ask you, whether it's in person or virtual, what are your three favorite tactics for making learning stick? Oh, that's a good one. For me, the first thing is creating the right kind of bargain from from your learners, uh, which is basically making them want to want to be there, want to learn that, or just be curious. Even mm. if they're just a little bit curious, I think that's that's a good start. So ensuring that you sort of arouse interest and sometimes begin that even before people come into the training room. It could be through a, through a survey that you send or, or an email that goes out with something interesting um, or, a, or a short video of something, but helping, helping them feel like they're there for a reason, they're there for mm. a purpose, um, I think is definitely something that's important. Um, this, the second thing for me personally, to some extent, comes down to rapport. You know, at the end of the day, a lot comes down to people. People will be willing to hear more, experiment more, listen more. They feel that you're someone who is, who has their interests at heart um, and who's there for them. So making sure that when you're there, you're completely there, um, mm. which I know is all easier said than done. But for me, right. that's that's something that, that has worked. It's difficult to tune out everything else, but you need to be in that space, but w whether it's virtual or whether it's in person. So for me, that's the, that's the second bit. And the, and the third one is, I think, um, is about respect. Uh, because mm. if I go into a, a room with the assumption that I'm the one who knows the most, I think I'm doing a disservice to everyone in that room. Um, and so for mm. me, going in with the thought that there's so much experience here that can be leveraged. There's so many thoughts here that I might not know. There's maybe something I will get to learn today that I didn't know before. And I think going in with that, and I, and I feel that like a domino effect, it kind of, yeah. it, it, it trickles down, right? Or it trickles around rather, not down, it trickles around. And, and I think that that sort of moves around. So for me, that's been something that I learned over time. It was a mindset shift for me. I would be the first to admit that. Um, mm. and, I, and I enjoy being in this space. I, I like feeling that it doesn't all have to flow from me. You, 
you might have the answer. It might be so much better than mine. I'm just here to facilitate the process. I'm here to just give you the lighter to light the spark. Mm, that is so beautiful. And, and Shilpa, I get that about you. You are, you are truly someone who serves. And, and, and when you have that focus of serving other people, it's just so much more value is created. And uh, uh, you're, you're fantastic in this space. So I just want to say thank you for, for being on, on, on the podcast. Um, I'm honored. I really appreciate your time and all the wisdom that you've dropped here in the last half hour. It's fantastic. So um, if participants want to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? Well, well first off, before I, I, I do that, I just want to say thank you so much for, for having me here, Steve. I think having this conversation with you has kind of rekindled and reminded me of some of those reasons why I got into this in the first place and what I really enjoy doing. Um, so thank you. Thank you for that. I truly appreciate that. Um, and and um, with regard to how people can get in touch, um, there's the Learning Gym website, which is www.thelearninggym.co because .com was too expensive, so we skimped on that. Um, <laughs> and, and, and through that is the easiest way. I mean, I, I would sort of rattle off an email, but I'm not sure how much. If people are listening to this in moving vehicles and so forth, I do not want to be causing any sort of incident. So yes, the, the Learning Gym website is the, is the quickest and easiest way, or you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Shilpa Subramanian, if you can spell that right. <laughs> that's that will be that will be in the show notes so uh, if people want to know how to spell your last name which is fantastic um it's going to be in the show notes so no problem so fabulous but this has been fun shilpa it's been a pleasure and so much fun i really i really appreciate it my friend thank you thank you steve Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Ignited Learning Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at ignited-learning.com. Thanks for listening.